to this computer. And let me begin with prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for the means of grace that Zoom and internet is, that we can actually still meet in, in spirit, if not in place. And I pray, help us get beyond the awkwardness of screens and everything, and help us, Lord, to still enter into the moment and remember that we're part of your body, um, that we, we live and breathe in your presence, and we're connected to one another through Jesus. So may that come forth. I pray, make the technology work uh, without any big glitches, and meet us this morning. Um, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. All right, so I'm on. Good morning, everybody. My name is Dan Lovano. I'm one of the pastors here at Sovereign Grace Church of Aurora. Welcome. It's good to have you all on board. Um, let's see what I want to do here. Um, this morning, I'm going to be reading from Psalm 91 as we begin with prayer and announcements. Um, this particular psalm I find very comforting because it reminds me of who I will abide in, the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, our sovereign God. He is my refuge and my fortress in whom I trust. And especially in this time of the COVID-19 pandemic, it gives me comfort of where my salvation is, regardless of what ultimately happens to me, whether I die today, tomorrow, or 100 years from now. So I'm going to read the psalm now, then I'll pray for our church, our city, and our leaders. Then I'll give a few announcements uh, before I turn it back over to Mark for uh, this morning's message. So let me read the text now. Psalm 91 out of the ESV translation says this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And then God starts to speak here. He says this, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Praise God. 
So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for being a sovereign God who reigns over all. All glory and honor be to you. Let us glorify you with our worship this morning. We pray for the church, the city, and our leaders during this time of uncertainty. For the church, Lord, that you would keep us together, that we would encourage one another and pray for one another. For the city and our leaders, our government leaders, um, uh, for this country, Father God, we pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom so they can make good, wise decisions. We pray for all those in the world who are sick, Father God, because of the coronavirus. Lord, that you would heal them and they would recognize that it was your hand that healed them. For those who may lose their jobs because of the pandemic, Father God, we pray for assistance for them, Father God, that they would not go with want. We pray for those who are fearful, Father God, that you would give them a spirit of peace. And Lord, that you would use this to open people's hearts to you, that they may be saved. And finally, Father God, we, we give you thanksgiving for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, who sacrificed his life so that we may have life. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I have a few announcements. Um, our e-bulletin was sent out last night. Please check it for upcoming events and things you should be aware of. Um, if you didn't see the email, check your, your junk mail because uh, it may have gone in there. If you didn't get the email at all, um, contact Savannah at churchinfo at sgcco.org so you can get on the list, okay? Uh, discipleship groups are going to continue meeting, but we'll be doing that online through Zoom meetings, just like the meeting that you're in now. Uh, so check with your uh, discipleship group leaders uh, for details. Now, we also have the ability for people who can't get online uh, via the internet, that they can call in with their phone. But right now, only one of the discipleship group leaders has that capability. So contact Savannah and um, find out the details for that. Hopefully you can get connected to that. We want everybody to get connected to discipleship group. It doesn't matter if you haven't been uh, since we started them. Now's a good time to get involved. And it's important. It's important for this reason. It's important to continue meeting with our discipleship groups because it's a source of mutual encouragement in stressful times. It gives us an avenue to pray for one another and to stir one another up to love and good works. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, also giving, okay? Please remember that although we're not meeting in a building, we still have to pay the bills, and so we need your support through giving, which you can do online via Faith Street from our website, or by sending in a check to the address given in the e-bulletin. I also sent out an email earlier this week with that address. In addition, Remember that it's Benevolence Month, which may become more important for our own members as we go through this pandemic. People's jobs and incomes will be affected, and so we hope to be able to help our own members as any need arises. Galatians 6.10 says we should do good, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So let's take care of those in our midst who need it the most. Thank you for your generous 
and faithful giving. And that's the end of the announcement, so I'll turn it back over to Mark for the message. Thank you. Okay. Let's turn to God's Word. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn it into Matthew chapter 6. We're hitting a pause on our Roman series um, for the time being so we can focus on some passages that speak to the particular temptations and challenges um, of living through the coronavirus pandemic. And as I was praying about it earlier this week, about what text we might want to start with, and uh, immediately I was thinking of Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. You're probably really familiar with this passage. Um, it's, it addresses a, a very likely temptation that people are experiencing during this time and pretty much throughout life, which is worry. And this passage, it really came to my mind because it was something that God really used in my life at a critical time when I was trying to decide, do I leave the security of my scientist position to venture into the unknown and uh, become a pastor uh, without any guarantee of, a, of income or a job? Uh, this passage was one that God brought to mind and it got me through and I found peace in it and I found him to be faithful to everything that this passage says. And so let's, uh, let's do what Peter said he would do in his, lead, in his letters, which is stir you up by way of reminder. You're probably very familiar with this passage, but let's read it afresh with new eyes, with new eyes in our current situation, and then ask the Lord's blessing on, on teaching his word. So let's read Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let me just ask the Lord to bless this. Lord, we, uh, we need to hear from you again this morning. <clears throat> we want to remove all distractions about how we're hearing it and just think about what you're saying. Open up our hearts to your, to your word by your Holy Spirit. Address the individual needs that each one of us has right now. We all bring something into the hearing of your word today. 
And so, Lord, would you give us a, a lack of distraction and help us now to hear from you and receive and act and believe upon your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, there's a command here. That's the main point of the whole passage. It's not hard to find. And it is this. Do not be anxious about your life. That's the command. That's what we're supposed to take away from this. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. And to be sure we hear that, Jesus repeats the command two times. He says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. So when Jesus says something three times, you know he really means it. And you know that it must really be a problem with man because we need to be told this three times. Worry is a common reaction when we feel like our life and our happiness is threatened in some way. We can be anxious about our life. We can be anxious about our current circumstances. I think I can say without a doubt that every one of us has been affected by the COVID-19 outbreak. Even if you haven't gotten it yourself, you have altered your life rhythm in to avoid contact with people. That's why we're doing this online and not in person. Maybe now you work from home. Some of you might even like that better. <laughs> uh, for you, the coronavirus has become an opportunity to actually get things done uh, or to avoid long commutes, but not everybody is so fortunate. Some of you, it's already cost you income. If your work is deemed non-essential, you've probably had your hours cut or eliminated. I was reading about a local uh, chauffeur service that said they've lost 99% of their business. Um, the owner said they have uh, 45 days of cash left on hand, and when that's out, they'll have to close. Um, some of you are looking at possibilities like that. You wonder if your job is going to be there when this is over. Others are concerned about getting the disease because it could be fatal for those of you who are at high risk. And others are concerned about the bigger picture. Um, how is this going to change us as a nation? What's going to be the new normal? And is that going to be better or worse than what we have now or had? Those aren't just hypothetical questions. This isn't a fictional movie that we're watching play out. These are real issues. They, they do have to do with your very life. And because of that, they are, they're issues that it's easy for us to worry about. To worry, according to one definition, is to give way to unease. It's to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble. Do you find yourself doing that at all in this season? <laughs> Do you find yourself giving way to unease? Do you find your mind dwelling on your troubles and what ifs? Well, so were the people that were listening to Jesus on that day when he said, do not be anxious about your life. Um, they were worried about real things. Um, they were worried about what you will eat and what you will drink and what you will put on. Those aren't luxuries. This is food and clothing. This is what they need. That's what we need in order to live. And they were worried about not having them. So the people that Jesus was speaking to 
that day on the Sermon on the Mount, they were people who lived day by day. Um, they were farmers and fishermen and shoemakers and carpenters, people that don't have a ton of money in the bank. Um, they don't know how they're going to make it if they get injured um, or if they can't work or if the occupying Romans decide to take their land or take their animal. Um, these are vulnerable, vulnerable people that he's talking who, who don't really know how they're going to get by if there's a drought or if the fish all die off or if they can't work for some reason. So these are people that are prone to worry about their life like we are. And Jesus, knowing all of that, says, do not be anxious about those things. He would say to us today, don't worry about losing your job. Don't worry about getting coronavirus. Don't worry about what America or the world is going to be like after this pandemic is over. Don't be anxious about your life. Now, that's not to say that we just throw caution to the wind and we act like nothing is, is wrong. It's not to say we don't take precautions to keep ourselves healthy. It's not to say we shouldn't think hard about how to keep yourself and your family going in this economic downturn. No, we're supposed to be smart. We're supposed to take precautions. We're supposed to think hard about what to do. But you can do all of that without worrying without giving way to unease, without allowing your mind to dwell 24-7 on your troubles, without being paralyzed by fear of what's going to happen. Jesus says, don't do it. So don't go there. You don't need to go there. Now, with a clear prohibition like that, we know it has to be supported by some really good reasons because you and I are not going to be able to stop worrying about your life just because somebody tells us so. Don't worry, be happy is not going to cut it uh, because the thing I'm worried about might actually happen. Uh, and I need to know how to not worry even if it does. So here's why you and I should not be anxious about our lives. Here's how we can uh, uh, address worry. Um, the first reason, actually, I'm just going to focus on one reason. There's several of them in this passage. I'm not going to go through every verse. I'm just going to highlight the main principle, the, the main solid reason why we don't have to worry. And here's what it is. It's that God's care and provision for you is real. God's care and provision for you is real. Your life isn't ultimately in your hands. It's in God's hands. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your heavenly father will give you what you truly need. That's what we should take away from this passage. This is, that's the point of the bird illustration in verse 26. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, think about the precariousness of a bird's life for a moment. <laughs> Jesus says they are totally dependent on a food supply that they have absolutely no control over. They don't sow, meaning they can't produce food for themselves. They don't have gardens. They don't have cultivated fields that they can just grow everything that they need. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather into barns. 
So when what they eat is available or when it's in season, they have no way to store up a year's supply of it. They can't run a combine down the field and collect all the grain and stash it away uh, to, as a fallback plan if next week is not so good. Um, they can't do any of that. All they can do is they can go out and they can eat what they need for today. They can bring some home for their little ones and that's all they can do. Uh, then they have to go out tomorrow. Tomorrow they have to find some more and if it's not there, they go hungry. How safe would you feel if that's how life was like for you? If what you need for your life was not guaranteed to be there tomorrow. I think we are seeing how that makes people feel. Have you tried to buy any toilet paper lately? <laughs> or ground beef? The stuff is gone. Uh, it is wiped out by panic buying. Why is that? It's because we're not sure if there will be any tomorrow. So I have to get as much as I can right now. I have to store it up. I have to make sure we're covered for the next several weeks because who knows what's going to happen next. We worry about tomorrow because tomorrow we might not have what we need for life. And we're seeing that in the panic buying. And the point Jesus makes is this. Birds are in, are in exactly that situation. They might not have what they need for life tomorrow and they can't do anything about it. They don't have control over their food supply. But here's what Jesus says, guess what? Even though they're vulnerable, even though they have no control over what's coming, your heavenly father feeds them. He provides their food. And are you not aware that you are of more value than they are? If he does this for birds, if he feeds them, though they're totally dependent and they can't do it for themselves, if he's doing that for birds, then do you think that you, created in his image, joined to his beloved son by faith, loved by God and called to be saints, do you think that he will not feed you, that he will not provide for you or take care of you? The assumed answer is, of course he will. Of course he will. Believe it. Your heavenly father's care and provision are real. Birds are a living reminder of that if we have eyes to see it. The Lord showed me that on Friday morning. I was shoveling that wet, heavy, thick snow that fell on Thursday. And I had uh, finished off the side, the, the driveway, and I was working on the sidewalk. Uh, and then I saw this fat robin on the driveway. And um, didn't look like the robin was doing anything except looking at me. And uh, then it kind of hopped a little bit in my direction. And so I stopped and leaned on my shovel and I thought, I'm going to see what this robin is up to. Because this is a little bit strange. Um, so the robin takes a few more hops towards me and then a few more hops and then pretty soon this robin is like really close to me and I'm thinking well maybe it's looking for me to give it a, a handout or something or a crumb but just, just then this robin turned and it poked its beak into the grass that I had just exposed 
on the edge of the sidewalk and it plucked out a big worm and gulped it down. And in that moment, I realized the bird was waiting for me to clear the snow so it could find more worms. And that's what happened. I, I shoveled the rest of the walk and I made sure to expose grass and this bird followed me and kept plucking these worms out of the grass. <laughs> I was just so amazed at that because it was probably a mama had some babies to feed um, in a, you know, in a nest in our tree. Um, it's just amazing. And I thought in the moment, aha, consider the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. In this case, the way God was feeding them is he sent me outside to go shovel my sidewalk. I wasn't at all thinking about birds. I wasn't trying to feed them anything. And yet God was intending to feed them by sending me out there so that he could feed the robin. He's that on, he's that aware, he's that here in the moment that he knows about the robin in the tree and he had a plan to feed it. So it is with you. Followers of Christ are the apple of his eye. Zechariah 2.8 says that. You're of more value to him than the robin in the tree, than the birds in the air. Will he not give you what you truly need for your life? The only answer can be yes. Of course he will. God's care and provision are real and tangible, right down to providing your meals. It's a care that Jesus purchased on the cross with his blood. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? If God is so committed to our eternal life that he sent his own son to die for our sins, then how can he not be concerned about our day-to-day -day life? It would be like him saying, I would die for you, but I won't feed you. You have to get your own meals. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? But, but that's what Romans 8.32 is trying to say. If God has done the hard thing, the most important thing, to send his own son to die for us, then will that same love not also provide the lesser things, like what we will eat or drink or wear? He will. Now, there's more to say about God's provision, because some of you might be thinking, well, but God hasn't provided everything I need. I'm out of work, I'm losing income, I'm feeling sick, I'm going without. The birds of the air are doing better than me. I don't think I can believe in God's care and provision. So maybe that's where some of you are today. Well, I think we can address that by completing the picture with the positive command that is in the passage. The negative command is do not be anxious about your life. But the positive command is this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the thing to do. Don't worry. Instead, do this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me read verses 32 and 33. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, all these necessities of life, like food and drink and clothes. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So the promise of God that all these things will be added to you, it comes in the context of the command, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
That means as you are interested in furthering God's agenda on earth, as you are about what Jesus is about, which is to glorify God, know that God is going to give you all that you need in order to do that, right down to the food you eat and the clothes on your back. You see, the Lord's promise is not this. It is not, don't be anxious about your life because as you seek after all these things that you need, they will be added to you. No, he says the Gentiles do that. The non-believers do that. The people that don't know Christ, the people who don't have a future and a hope in God, they seek the things. They seek the job, the assurance that they won't get COVID-19, the protection from economic disaster. That's what people without hope in Christ will naturally seek because that's the only life that they know. But believers in Christ have a better hope. We have eternal life. Our true life is hidden with Christ in God, according to Colossians 3.3. Our true life is safe. Even though we die, yet shall we live, Jesus said in John 11. What we are to do in this life is not to seek the things, but to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to be doing good works in Jesus' name, to be helping people come to faith in Christ for forgiveness of sin. And as we're doing that, God will meet any and every need that we have to be about his business. So do you need food, clothing, shelter to live for Jesus? Then you'll have it. That will be added to you. Do you need a job? Do you need to get well? Do you need to get a scholarship or a car? to equip you to live as salt and light in the world. No problem. God has all of that. No worries. To get back to the pre previous question that I left hanging, what about the times when God doesn't seem to provide? When he actually doesn't give you what you think you need? What if you do get laid off? What if you do contract coronavirus? What if the world isn't a better place on the other side of the pandemic? What do we say then about God's care and his provision? Has it failed? No, it hasn't. Because sometimes God's kingdom and righteousness come about by sending his people through adversity. See, Paul, the apostle, he could have certainly claimed to have been deprived of what we call necessities. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven, he listed things that he went through on his path of obedience, on his path of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And here's what he said. He said, he labored in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Now, there's a lot in that list that I would put in the necessities category. Sleep. You actually can't live without sleep. You will die if you don't get it, get it. I think the record is like 11 days, and then I don't know what happened to the guy. Um, but you have to sleep, right? That's a necessity. He said he went often without food. He missed meals. There were times he had nothing to eat, and he was hungry. He said he was in cold and exposure. 
he sometimes didn't have a roof over his head. Sometimes he was in danger of freezing to death. He could have used a warm blanket. He didn't have one. Did God's promise to care for and provide for Paul fail? No, it didn't, because somehow all of that was part of God's plan for Paul to bring the gospel to the nations. It was things he had to go through on his path of obedience, seeking the kingdom of God. I don't have an answer to why God allows some of you to go through really hard things. I don't know why you have to go through stuff that seems like you have to go without things that seem like necessities, like health or a better income or relief from some kind of ongoing problem. There's hard stories you could tell, and I can't answer why you have to go through that. But I can say this with certainty. You do have what you need in order to seek first the kingdom of God. You do have it. You will have it. What you have or don't have is part of what's necessary for the path of obedience that God has for you. God's care and provision is real. And it's to give us everything we need to do his will on the earth. Instead of fretting and focusing on our fears, we're to get busy with God's call on our lives and step out in faith on the path of obedience and trust that God who takes care of birds is going to take care of us as we do what he's called us to do. It's a matter of faith. There's a poem that hangs on my, on my desk. Um, it's right over there. You can't see it. <laughs> but I came across it a few years back. It's called Do the Next Thing. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It, it was popularized by Elizabeth Elliot. She found it. It's an old, old uh, poem, um, but she brought it back to life. And so I think it's worth reading the whole thing. It's got four stanzas because it's really about this, this lifestyle of trusting God and doing the next thing on the path of obedience and trust that he'll be there for us. So let me read to you this poem. From an old English parsonage down by the sea, there came in the twilight a message to me. It's quaint Saxon legend deeply engraven, half, it seems to me, teaching from heaven. And on through the doors, the quiet words ring like a low inspiration. Do the next thing. Many a questioning, many a fear, many a doubt hath its quieting here. Moment by moment, let down from heaven, time, opportunity, and guidance are given. Fear not tomorrow child of the king trust it with jesus do the next thing do it immediately do it with care do it reliantly casting all care do it with reverence tracing his hand who placed it before thee with earnest command stayed on omnipotence safe neath his wing leave all resultings do the next thing looking to jesus ever serener working or suffering be thy demeanor in his dear presence the rest of his calm the light of his countenance be thy song strong in his faithfulness praise and sing then as he beckons thee do the next thing that's solid advice do the next thing 
that is on the path of obedience to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Jesus says so. We have good reason not to be anxious about our lives. God's care and provision is real toward those who are in Christ. Our life is safe with him and in the eternal realms. And we will have everything we need to live for God's agenda, whatever that is, whether our life looks like Paul's with all sorts of suffering or whether it looks like somebody who just slides through. God knows. God designed our paths for us, but he will provide for us on our path until he brings us home to our safe shores away from all things that make us worry. So friends, we don't need to panic by. <laughs> we don't need to obsess over the number of cases of coronavirus. We don't need to let our minds dwell on the what-ifs of future if this economic downturn continues. God has you covered. What he calls you to do, whatever the path of, of obedience looks like, he's going to provide for that. It doesn't mean your life will be trouble-free, but it does mean that your life can be worry-free. That's what Jesus wants for us. You're in your Father's good hands. He will feed you. He will take care of you until he brings you home. That's a good place to be. Let me just pray, and then I'm going to bring it back over to Spencer. We have many doubtings, Lord, many of questions, many of fear. And yet, above all that is this promise, you who know us, you know what we deal with. We're in this situation by your own providence, and you certainly are going to be enough for us. We ask for perce uh, perception of others' needs to be the means by which you help, help each other. Um, just like I was helping the bird and didn't know it, Lord, you, you've also assigned different people to help us in our life. So give us care and uh, awareness of what the needs are around us. Help us to meet those needs. But we look to you. We look to you and we thank you that you make us safe. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. It cannot be taken away. So give us the peace that comes from knowing and believing these things. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let me close with a benediction. But first, a reminder. Your discipleship group leaders are going to try to have a meeting like this with you in the next week by zoom so look in your email for links and call your discipleship group leader if you don't know how to get a, be a part of that um, but that's an environment where you can actually talk back and uh, share prayer requests and be more feel more like community so please take advantage of that this week um, let me just leave you with this benediction that i'm drawing from our passage may the heavenly father who feeds the birds, who knows what you need, and in whose eyes you are much more valuable than them, grant you peace in the promise of his care and confidence to do the next thing on your path of obedience to Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace to you all, and uh, we'll see you again next week. It might be on Zoom. It might be on YouTube. We'll see. We'll keep trying to improve it.